Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels, Gary Thomas is on the broadcast today because we just finished going through his book, Cherish, on the Rebel Upgrade. I got to tell you, I was so impacted by this book that I decided to open up the Rebel Upgrade to the public. Head to facebook.com slash groups slash rebel upgrade and join in on a deep dive through a transformational book each month. We put out study guides and videos every week to give my thoughts and all the gold from each book. Once again, head to facebook.com slash groups slash rebel upgrade to join the community. All right, cool. Let's jump into my conversation with Gary Thomas on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. All right, Rebels, we are live. I am so excited. We've got Gary Thomas on talking about Cherish. We just finished the upgrade yesterday. I want to say that this portion of the program is brought to you by The Voice of the Martyrs. I am so thankful that they sponsor this broadcast. They were the first people to come on and write checks and say, we believe in Rebel Parenting. We believe in what you do. We're going to take a chance with you. I love them for that. Website is persecution.com. That's persecution.com. And our brand new sponsor, I'm sure you've seen the commercial a million times. I have. It's MyPillow. MyPillow.com. Code word rebel. I got to say too, Gary, I've seen the commercial so many times and I'm a little bit OCD. I'm super picky about lots of things. Pillows is one of them, and I've been looking for a new pillow recently because mine's gross and old, and it's memory foam, and you can't wash it, and that started to freak me out. And so I got a MyPillow, and I really like it, but it's a little bit flat. And then they called and were like, hey, we like Rebel Parenting. You know, Do you need a sponsor? I'm like, yay, we need a sponsor. I was like, I like your pillow. It's a little bit flat. And they're like, oh, no, we can send you another. They sent us pillows. It's my favorite thing. Like, (laughs) we got a new pillow and I just go upstairs and lie down immediately. And Laura teases me about it. My producer teases me. That It really is. It's as good as the commercial says. I wanted to be like, oh, come on. How good could it really be? I am so into the MyPillow pillow. I love it. So code word rebel. I've been dying to say code word rebel since the day we started. And they let us use code word rebel. Get you huge discount. So go to MyPillow.com. Sir, thank you for being here. You know what? Before we jump into all the questions... You know, in the beginning of the book and on the back of the book, it talks about our wedding vows, how we're supposed to love and to cherish, and yet, virtually, I've never seen another piece on the word cherish. I've seen a billion things on love. I've heard sermons on love. We do, you know, Corinthians on love. We have, you know, the love month with February. And where did you all of a sudden go, hey, there's another word in there called cherish, and it comes up in the Bible every now and then, like, I got to do a book on cherish, where did you come up with this? Because this book, honestly, when it got sent to us, you know, you were saying before we started, I've seen everything. I've, you know, I've been in ministry for a million years. I have to be honest. I was a, a first a little bit skeptical, and we started digging deeper and deeper. It's this is a meaty, a meaty. It is not like a surfacey, like oh, this is gonna make you feel so good. Like this book challenged me. It has made me think so deeply about my marriage and about personally my actions, my thoughts, my spiritual life. Where did you come up with this? To be honest, Ryan, it's like the word was hiding in plain sight. It had been there. I'd promised my wife I would cherish her. As a pastor, I I officiated at wedding vows and at weddings, and I would say promise of love and and it just like it became so familiar. It just And and I just think one day God just convicted me. And I think he was asking me to set the bar in my own marriage a little bit higher. I Mm. wrote some of those chapters on love. I did a lot of seminars and sermons on love. That was my focus. And and the big difference for me is that love focuses on my responsibilities and my duties. But that can almost make the person you love feel like a project Mm -hmm. or a burden. Cherish – leads me to focus on my spouse's excellence, my spouse's beauty, the worth of my spouse. And it, it did take our marriage to a new place. And I, and I think it's it's easy to settle in. I'm doing the right things. But Cherish just gave us something else to shoot for. And uh, 
it, it's been a very sweet season of marriage following that. I'll bet. I'll bet it has. That's so interesting. Normally, we don't do book review programs, but when we do- <laughs> dove so deeply into this with the upgrade, that's what the upgrade is. We take a month, and every single week, we go deep into the chapters. I do videos on it. I yell and rant. And cherish means you want to protect it, honor it, treat it with tenderness, nurture it, indulge it. Uh, but really, it's it's showcasing yeah, your partner. That was big. That, yes. And that's different. You know, loving your partner can be an action. It can be, you know, and we talk about love being a choice. So in a way, it can be a bit of a chore. I don't want to say that completely, but to to think about showcasing your spouse, to be in public and showcase your wife. And you know what? I was out speaking and I realized, you know what? I don't introduce Laura in the way that she deserves for mm. what an impact she has on my life. And I think it was like two weeks ago, I got to preach in Arizona and I got to speak at an event. And I was so excited because we had been digging so deep into this. And I got to introduce Laura and tell everyone, like, I wouldn't be here doing this if it wasn't for Laura. Like, she believes in me in a way that I know, like, she thinks I can do things I know I can't do. She believes in me in a way that I don't, that I think is ridiculous. And I had to tell everyone, like, I am who I am because of this woman. Like, I don't want to do anything else besides be with her. And to showcase your spouse is such a, it's got to make them feel differently. It's not, it's a difference than just loving. It really is. It's different it is. than loving. You know, you've got in in chapter one, love's about being gracious and altruistic. Cherish is about, about being enthusiastic and enthralled. And I was like, yeah, that's, ex- <laughs> that's what you, like love in a way, I don't want to say this, but in a way when you start comparing love and cherish in a marriage, Love seems a little boring, and Cherish is like, yeah, like, ch- like, like, get out the cheerleading, like, the pom-poms, like, check this one out, I'm married to this one, like, wah! Like, it's so exciting, it brought a new kindled uh, romance back into the way I think about my wife. I, I think the difference for me is that when I was focused on love, I wanted to be known as a good husband. Mm. Gary's a good – and because of what I do and talk on, I felt like that mattered – by focusing on cherish, I want to focus on people knowing I'm married to an excellent wife. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's an entirely different focus when I'm speaking of her, when I'm talking to her, when I'm with her in public. It's not the oh look at Gary's a good husband. It's wow, she's amazing. And and you know, and Lisa would tell you, she thinks I sometimes I overdo it. She goes, you make people think I'm something I'm not. But that's just what you said that that Laura does with you. So I I think. That's part when you cherish someone, sometimes you can see something that maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. For me, a, a distinct moment was when we knew this couple and they were uh, – it's about a first anniversary, I think. I thought up a present for them that – Lisa, oh, that's a great idea. And uh, I said, do you need me to get it? Lisa, no, I want to get it. Let me get it. I said, okay. And a couple of days went by and Lisa can get busy. She can forget things. I said, do we get it? She goes, no, I forgot. So would you need me to do it? She goes, no, I, I got it. Let me do it. I said, fine. Okay, that's good. She went through and then when we saw the couple, the wife was just thanking my wife. You're so thoughtful. It was so kind. It meant so much. Thank you so much. And I'm walking into the room as she's talking to Lisa and she sees me over her shoulder. And, and Ryan, I got one of these over – Oh. Thank you too, Gary. I mean, it was just sort of like, oh yeah, you and I both know you had absolutely nothing yep. to do with this, yep, but yep, but yep. you married. And to my shame, when I was just focused on love, I would have been quick to say, "What are you talking about? That gift was my idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to fall through." And actually, who do you think paid for it? It, it would have been that. Instead, yeah, why I was did the one I say, reminding her to get it? If I hadn't reminded yeah. her a bunch of times, she wouldn't have gotten it at all. You wouldn't have yeah. had this present. It's all about me. Right. Instead, I said, what present? And, and then Lisa goes, oh, don't be silly, Gary. You know that present was your idea. And and so I'm trying to showcase Lisa, and she's trying to showcase me. That's a sweet marriage mm-hmm. when you're trying to put mm-hmm. each other forward. Instead of – you know, you've seen this. Couples, they're like those lobsters. They want to put each other down. It's a contest. Who of us has it worse? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you yeah. just say, why did you guys get married? How, how does this help? And, and Cherish really is the opposite of that, really wanting others to see the beauty that you see mm-hmm. in your spouse. And by beauty, you know, I don't, I don't just mean physical appearance. I'm talking about totally. their person, their character, totally. who they are. 
You know what? Um, I want to talk about something else because you've talked about Adam and Eve and there was only one man in the world and only one woman in the world and how that's really the goal that you want to pray that my wife is the thing I find most attractive, that she would say to the Lord, I want to make sure that my husband is the thing I find the most attractive in life. And it made me think there was, it was, man, it's been years. We were coaching a couple and they ended up getting divorced because I can just say this, this, the, the wife decided she didn't want to be married anymore. You know, they'd gone through some hard times and she would say, you know, I want to see us together in the future. I just don't see it that way. I just don't, you know, when I think about the future, I just don't see him in my future anymore. And I was like, well, that's a choice. Like you can think up a dream like, oh, I see us together and we're doing this thing in the future. When our kids are this age and we're going to these things that they're going to be doing, I see us together and you keep focusing on that. And there's a myriad of reasons it was falling on deaf ears, but I'd love you to talk about that for a moment. For those that are in the struggle that our society right now is a comparison based society. Yes. Yes. Uh, No longer like when Reagan became president, it was like, that's my guy. And now it's, we vote on I'm against that person. Therefore I'm voting for this person. There's this crazy comparison, social media, you know, I don't post the photos of my kids crying because I yelled at them for no reason. I only post the fun things, and people are like, man, your life is so great. And I'm like, I only post highlights. Like, you're seeing a lie, you know. What are some of the tangible things we can do to take our focus? Like, I was talking to someone recently as a husband, not necessarily pornography because I have so many filters and uh, stop gaps on my computer, but in life, porn light, like diet porn, is thrust into my face all the time. You know, whether it's TV or movies or sitcoms sure. or billboards. So, what are some of those tangible things we can do that refocus us to just look at our spouse like, wow, you're the only person out there? Yeah. The idea comes not just from Adam and Eve, but Song of Songs 6 9, where the husband says of his wife, my dove. My perfect one is the only one. Mm. And, and if guys could just get a glimpse of how much that means to a wife, because you're not in a competition. You're my dove. You're my perfect. Mm. You're the only one. And if we go back, Ryan, to our great, great, great grandparents, the only naked woman our great, great, great granddad might have seen yeah. was his wife. There wasn't the chance for comparison that we see now. I mean, porn and the internet. I mean, it is it has really changed everything. And, and so for me, it began with praying. And I, I did this when I was first married. I, I don't know why I prayed this prayer. I hadn't heard somebody mention this prayer. I, I think it was a gift from God. Mm-hmm. I began praying that God would make Lisa my definition of beauty. She would be the plumb line, that she would be – as a woman is supposed to be. That was the whole point about Adam and Eve when I say in the book, Adam looked at Eve. He, he couldn't compare her sense of humor, her godliness. He couldn't compare her athletic ability, her intellect, her wittiness. He, he couldn't compare her physical appearance. All it was is this isn't only what a woman is as far as he knew. This is what a woman is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so I just began to pray, Lord, let Lisa be that plumb line that defines to me what the most beautiful woman in the world is. And God, I believe, will answer that prayer. I don't think that's a weak prayer. I think God wants his daughter to be delighted in like that, the affirmation it gives her. Now, I didn't know this when I started praying that prayer, but I'm a guy, I'm 57. I've been married 34 years. What I've loved about it is that my definition of the most beautiful woman in the world ages with my wife. I never wanted to be the 50-something guy ogling his 20-something daughter's friends. And so I think what it does, it not only affirms my wife, but it also frees me up to have, Mm -hmm. I think, solid relationships with other women because they're not being sexualized. I can appreciate their wit. I can appreciate their intellect, their their work as a colleague because I've I've decided – Lisa's the only one I look at that way. She's the only one I'm going to think about that way. She's the only one I'm going to delight in that way. And mm-hmm. if and if you've got, look, 
it's a probably a bad analogy, but we got the Super Bowl coming up. The Seahawks are my favorite team, right? right. If they're playing, why am I going to watch the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> yeah. If the Seahawks are playing, I, I, I don't really care what's happening with the Miami Dolphins. And mm-hmm. so when you're focusing on your wife as Eve or your husband as Adam, you're like, well, that's my favorite team. That's the one I want. And so I, I think it's prayer. I think it's something that neuroplasticity with our brain. I think you just develop by making it a habit as you're mm-hmm. doing. You shut out the competition, so to speak. And, and here's what I love. It's when you stop comparing that you can truly cherish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if look, I have friends that have they have a lot of money. Let me put it that way. And she got, I think, like a two carat diamond ring on their wedding day, which is a pretty big ring. But but they go with some high circles, and she decided for their twentieth wedding anniversary, I think it's like a five carat diamond she found or something. Now, if you go to most women and show them a two carat diamond, they're like, I mean, it's just like, yeah. But you put a two carat diamond next to a five carat diamond, and Man, it's not even half the size. Well, I don't ever want to do that to my mm. spouse. I, if she's my Eve, comparison dies. Contempt is built by comparison. Yep. Cherishing is built by mm-hmm. song, uh, song of Songs 6-9. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned a little bit ago, my wife uh, grew up around the ocean. Her family are our ocean-going people. And so frequently we are in ocean places and the further we get along in time, the less women are wearing on the beach. And we were getting ready to go on a trip, and Laura said, is that going to be hard for you? And I said, you know, I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. And it had been a while, and years and years ago before I was married, um, the guy that does my tattoos uh, was tattooing a girl, and I was like, how do you do that, man? And he goes, do what? I go, tattoo girls like that. Like, it wasn't an inappropriate place, but it was a cute girl that he was tattooing, and he's got a wife, and he's like, oh, I just don't look. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I just trained myself. I don't see them at all. And I had been trying, to, and listen, I'm not a saint on any level, and I don't want to, like, make myself on a pedestal, but I had been trying that for a long time, and we were at the beach, and what you said came true. I'm able to have different relationships with other women, with younger women, because I don't see them that way. Like, it's very odd for me to see these older guys with these girls half their age, because I just think, I don't know what you see. Like, yes, there's this world standard physical beauty they have, but that's infatuation. Like, towards the end of the book, you talk about there are things greater than infatuation. Like, yes. if you go through hard times and you cut and run, then you're missing out on the best years of your life. I was saying, Laura gets more attractive because I know how much work it takes now. You know, being attractive and young is really, really easy. What do you do? You wake up. Yay, I'm young. I woke up and I'm super hot. <laughs> well, I guess... But it's like, you know, cotton candy. It's There's really nothing there yet. Substance comes yes. through those hard times. Like we were at therapy recently and the therapist is like, well, how are you feeling? You know, how are you feeling about this? And I go, you know, we've got work to do and that's a little bit overwhelming. But I got to say, like, like we're champs. Like we rule. Like the things we've gone through, the cancer, like Laura had emergency surgery three weeks ago and the doctor said she almost died. And that's the third time in our marriage in 13 years that I've come this close to losing my wife again. And having gone through, you know, the first ovarian blood clot and almost losing her and cancer and almost losing her and this surgery and almost losing her. And still, you know, fall down six times, get up seven times, continue every day we're going to fight for each other. And even when we're battling each other and not the issue to still say at the end of the day, but it's you. I'm on team Laura. I'm on team us. And our therapist is like, you know what? I got to say, you guys are champs. Most of my clients would have been divorced by now. Like, like, and not to say that our problems are, are insurmountable, just that that's how normally things go. And we're like, oh, no, no, no. Two months after I met my wife, I'd already asked her to marry me three weeks in. But before we were long before we got married, I tattooed her name in like 12 inch letters down my rib cage. I wanted the entire world to know like, hey, just so you know, I'm done. 
like off the market permanently. You can't cover it up. It's way too big. My artist was like, this is the kiss of death. You will like, <laughs> you can't do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I know I'm done. Like my therapist and I met and she said, Ryan, you're going to get married soon. I think you should get married soon. But you're going to find out things about Laura after you get married, and some of those things you won't like. So decide today. Is this until death do you part, or is this until it gets hard? And it's like, nope, this is forever. Like, whatever comes, come what may, this is forever. Yeah, another analogy that, that's helped me with this comes from Louis of Grenada, 16th century. He's Roman Catholic priest. But but he had a beautiful thing about how God is such a good creator. For instance, a peacock looks beautiful and its voice is irritating. Ugh. I grew up in peacocks. They're terrible. A nightingale has an incredible voice and is a very boring bird. Uh, trees of the forest are, are great to build houses, but they don't produce any fruit. Fruit trees feed us. You can't build a house with them. And he just talked about how all of God's creation has strengths and weaknesses. And so you learn to appreciate your spouse for what God made them to be because they're different kinds of beauty. If you married a peacock, you become the world's number one fan of peacocks. If you married an oxen, you like oxen. Mm. And, and, and you don't expect an oxen who gets a lot of work done to be like the wise owl or something like that to use you know children's stereotyping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's like once you make your choice in marriage, you're making a commitment to contentment. This is my Eve. This is my Adam. Yep. I'm choosing to focus on their excellence. And the more I focus on their excellence, I'm bringing that excellence out and not being distracted by the beauty. I mean, what's of worth more, the peacock or the nightingale? Well, it's a foolish discussion. Yeah. They each have their strengths. They each have their weaknesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love you're talking about how lo- how cherishing your spouse is like a ballet. You know, typical ballet, uh, yeah. the male ballet dancer is highlighting the female ballet dancer. And I was like, totally. And I think I've been to one ballet in my life. I don't think most of my listeners have been to the ballet that often. But most of them have seen Dancing with the Stars. And <laughs> if you'll watch one or two episodes, find a woman that's not a great dancer, that's a celebrity, and that guy will do everything humanly physically possible to make it look like she knows exactly what she's doing i saw uh. i saw one clip just recently it was a female comedian i don't remember who it is which i'm so glad at but you can tell she didn't grow up as a dancer at all but that guy was spinning around her in a way that made it look like she was spinning and i i watched it again and i'm like you barely moved your feet like you like oh, turned this a, way, turned yeah. that way, and he was like spinning and dipping and diving and picked her up and spun her around. She didn't have to do anything. He was doing all the work to make her look like, oh, no, you've been practicing this your whole life. And I was like, that's what Gary's talking about. That's what yes. we should be doing. You know, you talk towards the end of the book about asking your spouse to help you in ways where you're weak and needing your spouse and I think that's a neat one to talk about of yeah. of asking your spouse, hey, you know what? You know, Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know if you know who that is. He's a, a marketing guru, been on Entrepreneur Magazine cover, curses way too much for Rebel Parenting. But he was talking <laughs> about this notion we have of co-parenting where both parent has an equal say. And he was like, that's terrible. You should totally stop doing that. Who's with your kids most? And I was like, my wife. You know, and he's like, then listen to her. What does she think about your kids? Where are they at emotionally today? Do you know? Have you been at work all day? And I was like, I totally try to butt my way into her parenting of my kids, not knowing anything. Like yesterday, Laura like looked at me and she's like, hey, you know, and I'm like, which one? She's like, you know, the boy, you know, like he needs more hugs today. And there's some uh. stuff going on in his life there's a kid that's sick in his class and he's hurting and he's, he's an emotionally intelligent kid, but that kind of stuff affects him more. And he needs way more hugs from dad right now. He doesn't need to know anything that he's doing wrong at all. He doesn't need any of that advice, coaching up, you know, teachable moments from me. 
he needs, I love being your dad. I love being your dad. You're the greatest thing in the whole world. How are you feeling? What do you need? And he was like, Daddy, can we play video games this weekend? I'm like, yeah, let's watch fights. Let's order pizza. Let's play video. He's like, oh, oh, can we invite my friend over? And I'm like, yes. Like, whatever. Let's, Um, let's, and I got that from Laura. I didn't get it from me being pigheaded. I got it from her. And telling your spouse you need them makes you vulnerable. It does, but it makes your spouse feel cherished, and and that's Mm. the big difference. When you're focused just on love, well, I'm doing this for you. I sacrifice for this for you, but that doesn't make a person feel cherished. It might make a person feel like a bother, Mm. but when when they understand you can't get by without me, you need me, and the story I told, it's kind of stereotypical, but it's true. A guy who ran his business and his wife really had nothing to do with it, and, and he got really sick. And she had to step in and she not only kept things going, she increased it in some places. And and he just looked at her differently and she looked at herself differently and they had a stronger marriage. Now, it was a health issue that forced cherishing to the forefront in their marriage. We can make the mental choice without a health issue. Just I just want you to know I, I couldn't have gotten through that without you mm. or – if a husband th- – this happens with premarital account. If a husband or husband-to-be is having trouble connecting with the wife's family, his in-laws or future in-laws, I- instead of trying to put on a show and make an impression, which how often does that work, <laughs> uh, asking your wife, can you help me? I feel lost. We're different. We value different things. C- can you help me connect with – instead of just running off, I'm telling you if I'm left alone – they're not going to think that highly of me. I need you to help me find a way into this. And mm-hmm. in so many situations in life, I just think it does something to your spouse when they know you need them. And, and when I was always mm-hmm. focused on love, it was like I want to make it so I don't need her. I always want to give and serve. And that, that's a good heart. But again, it's just focused on me, not focused on her. Yeah. Man, I like that. I got a new one for you. Have you ever heard of acro yoga? No. Okay. Acro <laughs> yoga is a yoga with a partner, and it's ac- quote unquote acrobatic positions. So, like, you've got to well, hold onto a person yeah. and balance and do things. And I knew a couple that had started that together, and I started thinking about it more and more and more. And I said, Oh, this is going to bring up everything they're having trouble with. And Laura was like, Why? And I go, Well, listen, think about this vulnerability is one of the greatest things you can have in your marriage. The more vulnerable you are, the more connected you're going to be, the more communication you're going to have, the more passion you'll have. You know, it'll be scarier, all that kind of stuff. But I started telling couples, try acro yoga with your husband because you're going to be in a group class where you're touching your wife or your husband for like an hour straight. You're going to be touching each other the whole time in a non-sexual way and in public so it's not going to get weird. And it's awkward unless you're like a yoga master. And even if you are doing it with another person and relying on them and being different body weights and all those things, you will fall over and over and over again in public, which means you're going to laugh more. It'll be scarier. You're going to be nervous about other people watching you. You'll be nervous about being around your spouse. But that's going to create so much vulnerability between you two, it will force those issues to the top. Mm -hmm. And we keep hearing back from couples that are like, I'm not kidding. We went to an acro yoga class, and then on the way home, it was like, you know, I'm really struggling with this, or you know, I wish we could talk about this, or hey, could we? And it's really doing that. And I just thought, that's an interesting Mm -hmm. one. You just brought up in-laws. This is one I think spouses really need. Husbands need to do this more, I think, than wives do. But they need to show their wife who is the new number one in their life. Oh, absolutely. It needs to be. And it can be over the dumbest, smallest, littlest things. But it's like, oh, mom, I love you. You birthed me. You bore me. You know, in my case, I'm adopted. You raised me from day one. You were at the ER 40 times when I was little. All those things. And I have a number one. You're used to getting preference. I'm so sorry if I have to choose, I choose the wife every single t- right or wrong, good or bad, awkward or not awkward. You've got to know I will choose her every time. Do you and Laura watch This Is Us? Oh, 
I don't. It's think a TV so. series. Uh-uh. It, it's a popular thing, and yeah, yeah. I, I, I've heard. I, of it. I watched first season, but it got a little bit too intense. Lisa's kept watching, but there's this one scene I love, where the daughter and her mom, mom's played by Mandy Moore, and the mom is kind of talking the daughter down a little bit to the guy who's going to marry her, and the guy steps in and he says, "I love this. It's one of my favorite scenes." He goes, "I just need you to know, I'm Team Kate now." Oh. Even if everything you're saying is true, you need to know I'm Team Kate. I'm not on your team. Mm. I'm on Kate's team. And I thought, how many marriages could be blessed and some even saved yep. if the guy said mm. to their in-law, "Hey, I'm Team Kate." The woman says, "Hey, I, I, I'm Team David." I mean, it's it's just where we say this is my loyalty, and I need you to know that mm. at the start. Yeah, I love that. That's 100% true. 100% true. Talk about cherishing words. You talk about how for a woman that can be verbal foreplay, you know, cherishing words. I honestly think, especially in our society, it's harder for husbands to think of those things regularly. You know, my wife likes flowers. She just does. But I forget to buy her flowers. You know, lots of time will pass. I started having to set an alarm on my phone. It's so much easier. I'll be like, Siri, remind me in three weeks to buy Laura flowers. And then three weeks goes by and the phone's like, hey, buy your wife flowers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Buy my wife flowers. You know, wherever I'm at, just go get flowers. And Laura loves it. Where can we find new cherishing words? How do we find those new things to remind ourselves that, hey, I need to, you know, there's that. I don't think it's happening as much in 2019 anymore, but that, you know, whole thing like, I told you I loved you when I married you. If it changes, I'll let Uh, you know. know. It's like, I don't think we do that anymore. And... We can always get better at it. Yes. I think we need to be specific for somebody to feel cherished. Mm. Not just I love you, but I cherish the way you do this. I cherish the way you look at this time and I cherish this. Specifics are what make people feel cherished. And, and, And just to give people a sense of the power of words, my wife is ultra organic and healthy. She may be the world's healthiest eater in the world. She may accidentally consume half a teaspoon of sugar once a week, but that's about it. I mean, sometimes she, she cuts down on fruit because she says it's too much sugar, which for me, I mean, fruit is <laughs> anyway, but she's sitting next to this Does guy she call on the fruit plane. Nature's candy. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. So she's sitting next to this guy on plate. We, we booked late, so we weren't together and he's obviously a doctor. He's impressive. And he has, the healthiest lunch you could imagine. He's got like a quinoa salad, a green smoothie, Ugh. carrots for dessert. I mean, who, who has a green smoothie and carrots for dessert when their wife isn't with them? I have a, and, and, I have a glass skull full of good and plenties next to my next to <laughs> yeah. my yeah. Sorry. Well, see, as she knows, I'm sitting on the plane with dark chocolate raisins, which yeah. I think look, I I call them dried fruit, which she laughs at, but dark chocolate. And a yogurt parfait, which she would say, do you realize how much sugar they put in those? And so whatever. But he looked like this impressive guy. He's a doctor. He eats healthy. But when he got up, when the plane landed and he called his wife, it was so painful because he was like, sure. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, look, I said we could. As soon as I, and then she could tell he got, hi, Alex. Mm-hmm. Obviously talking to him. How are you? Hi. And then, yep. Yeah, I already said we could. And, and he was just so short with clip tones and. And she said, you know what? I'll take a guy who eats dark chocolate raisins and yogurt parfait for a quick lunch over a guy who eats the perfect meal and talks to his wife like that. So what I say to men and to women, every sentence we utter makes our spouse feel more or less cherished. Yep, yep. And, and sometimes where, where wives can have a trouble – at my age, a lot of our kids are getting married – Mm-hmm. And so I talk to my friends and they see how their daughter-in-laws treat their sons. And, and one has three sons and it's just changed the way she treats her own husband because she sees what it's like. She, she's she got a son that she loves, but he's absent-minded. And he, he's got a good heart, but he didn't take out the garbage. She said, honey, I, I, you didn't take out the garbage and he left the garage door open. She said, I can't trust you with anything. Mm-hmm. And she said, Gary, I'm afraid he's just going to give up. Because, you know, the way she talks to him, I know him, it's going to shut him down. It's counterproductive. And so I asked her, well, how do you want your daughter-in-law to talk to your son? And, and she's like, well, first, let us start with her. the word babe, she said, is a great word. As soon as you say babe, it's like, hey, babe, it's like I'm still team Frank at this point or 
team Antoine at this point. It's and, and then drop the you know I can't trust you with anything, but just realize that sometimes and this might not be healthy, but it's sometimes if you got a vent, go vent in your room, go vent with a friend, but don't be counterproductive, tearing down your spouse with your words, make it a productive conversation. If your goal is for your spouse to feel cherished and you verbally lambaste them, Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to take a long time to get back to cherishing. It really is. I totally agree. Totally agree. I liken this to if you were working for someone that spoke to you like you speak to your spouse, would you quit? You know, if all you hear is the negative all the time, uh, you know, that came up at the mops thing. Uh, I was speaking at um, at another mops group this months ago, and I mentioned that, and I saw a bunch of women, like, get that look on their face. And then I had them approach me afterwards. They're like, oh, my goodness. All I'm telling my husband is how bad he's doing to the kids. That's all I say all the time. I'm like, well... You're focusing on the bad. Is it keep getting worse? She's like, yes. keeps getting worse. It keeps getting worse. I go, yes. You know, and Jordan Peterson, I know he's an atheist, but in 12 Rules for Life, I was listening to one of his interviews, and they were saying, you know, how do I get my spouse and my kids to do things that I want? And he said, just look for when they stretch themselves. He was talking about kids. Look for when your kids go above and beyond. They stretch themselves. They're out of their comfort zone. And I did that with spouses too. And he said, and then Praise it like crazy. Hey, you know yes. what? When you, you know, my son, when he was born, was fearless, just like I was. And I wasn't a great parent for the first around eight years of his life. I was really binary. I was really black and white. I was really condescending. And it took that out of him. Mm. He is not as bold as he used to be. And I heard Jordan Peterson talking about that, and I saw my son do something that I knew scared him, and I was like, dude, that was so amazing. In fact, not only was it great, I was talking to so-and-so yesterday, and I was telling them how you did that thing that I knew made you scared, and I was so stoked that you did that. He was like, you told them that? I'm like, totally. I totally... Because one of his love languages is words of affirmation, but it's a bigger deal if he knows I talked about him another place and was talking about how great he is another place. Because for some reason, that's different than just telling him, that was really great that you did that. Doing it in public to another person. And that's what I tell spouses. Do it in front of them to someone else. Oh, hey, yes. man, Gary yes. the other day, he you wouldn't believe this. And you're like, what did I do? And you're like, he did this thing that was so great and it'll be like, oh, I'm doing that. Like, you want that again? <laughs> oh, that's coming again because he wants that. He wants that praise. He may not be getting it from his boss. His my boss may be beating him down over and over again. Well, and the key is, I, look, I started cherishing Lisa because I felt convicted by God, and I'd made a promise. I said I will do it. I promised to love and to cherish, and so I, I was doing it out of sense of obligation and commitment. What I didn't realize is how effective a strategy it is Mm. because a cherished spouse can do far more than a non-cherished spouse. A cherished spouse can love you in ways that a spouse that's torn down. I I don't remember which gymnast it was. She was on the uh, U.S. Olympic team, but it was this tense moment when she had to nail this vault and she'd missed the first one or something. Mm. And she just said to herself afterwards, she said, I just told myself, you've got this, you've done it, you can do it. And she nailed it. I mean, mm-hmm. the best athletes have that confidence down. And do you want to build confidence in your spouse or do you want to build insecurity? Do you want to make them feel mm-hmm. like I have something to bring to this marriage or my spouse tolerates me at best? If you want to be loved, learn to cherish your spouse. I mean, I don't want people to do it for selfish reasons, but I found out mm-hmm. secondhand your spouse can do so much more if they feel cherished. Oh, yeah. When Laura and I were first married, I was look, being looked at for an event, and instead of me, they went with Franklin Graham. And, <laughs> and Laura— Two famous sons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> One far more than the other, and it was Franklin. And Laura was incensed. And she went on a tirade <laughs> in the house about how much better than Franklin I am and how they made the wrong ch- And I was like, oh my, I laughed. I laughed so hard. I was like, oh, babe, 
listen, I love you. I love you. And, honey, Franklin Graham, Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham, Wounded Warriors, Franklin Graham, like, I start listing, and she was like, I don't care. I, you're, like, <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. It I was is. teasing her about that a couple of weeks ago. She, she, she got a little bit mad again. I was like, I don't care what you say. Like, and that's what I was telling the people when I preached the other day. She believed things about me that I know to not be true. But because she believes them, I try things I know I can't do, and sometimes I do them. Last year at about this time is February, so the best way to not be with your wife on Valentine's Day is to write a book on marriage. You know, that's that's when you're out on the road. But now she could travel with me mostly because we're empty nesters, and she was with me. I rarely get sick, and I got the flu so bad oh. last year. And it was this huge event where I'm laying down between sessions. Mm. You could imagine. I mean, they've been publicizing it for nine months. It was a huge oh. church. It's, so that night at the hotel, I mean, it was – I'd given everything I had, and I'm shivering. You know how you go through the flu, you're hot, oh, yeah. and then you shiver? And she starts to hold me close, and I'm like, honey, watch out. You're going to get sick. This is awful. She goes, aren't you cold? I said, yeah. So she pulls me closer. I got to get you warm. And I I know that sounds gross to some listeners, but I want to tell the guys, what do you think a wife will do for a guy that she knows cherishes her? Mm. I'm telling you, anything she has to do, they want to be cherished. And if they know this guy gets me, this guy cherishes me like nobody has – if you think that doesn't bring out the best of them, your wife hasn't been fully cherished because they're they're just naturally going to say, I will do what it takes for this man that cherishes me. And I would say for the wives, what will a guy do for a wife that will treat you like Laura treated you, that, that she's the number one fan? And I'm saying whatever he has to do, whatever he can do, even what he can't, he'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. If he feels cherished – he wants to bring out the best. I mean, it just, it just stands to reason again, not to be selfish, but if you find a spouse that cherishes you, which is so unusual in this world, you don't want to lose that. Yep. You totally don't. You know, it's interesting. You're going into a thing. I want to close with this one. It's one of the last chapters in chapter 10. This is how your spouse stumbles. And, Uh. This is an interesting one. I was talking to my dad last year, and I said, hey, you know, you've worked with all kinds of people, but you've worked with addiction uh, and recidivism and things like that a lot, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, tons. You know, he's done presidential campaigns, all kinds of stuff. I go, if someone is addicted to whatever, opiates, heroin, alcohol, prescriptions, porn, something, and they kick, they go to rehab, they go, you know, intensive, they go to AA, whatever it is, What's the likelihood of them falling off the wagon? He goes, oh, it's almost 100%. I go, really? And he goes, oh, yeah, it's 80%, 90%, probably over 90% on everything. And I was like, wow. I go, then why do people fall apart if someone's got three years of sobriety and then drinks for a day? Like, why is that the end of the world? He goes, I don't know. It's stupid. And I was like, are you James Dobson? What? What are you talking? He goes, oh, it's the worst thing you can do. He goes, just be sad. Be sad and then move on, but celebrate the three years of sobriety. Be sad that they fell off the with whatever it is, and especially for women. And I am I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but especially with pornography and things like that, it feels like the end of the world. It's not, and you know you've got in here. When a spouse stumbles with an addiction, there is a response that's much more redemptive, and it's humility gentleness, patience, and forbearance. And I'm telling you, Gary, nobody is talking about that. Nobody is talking about that. In the Christian community today, if you get cheated on, especially if you're the woman that gets cheated on, well, then you have to get divorced. You know, you have to. You're not a real woman. You can't go to the Women's March, obviously, if you stick with a husband. And I'm telling people two things. One, you don't have to get divorced, You don't have to. If it was a mistake, if he wants to work on your marriage, if he is sorry, if he is repentant, you can stay together. Is it hard? Yeah. Will it hurt? Of course. And you might be missing out on the best years of your life. 
my life changed as a pastor when I read Patrick Carnes writing on sexual addiction, which could include porn, but other things. When he put recovery at a five-year process, for him, he said it takes five years. Mm. And his phrase, recovery involves relapse. Now, I'm always nervous to say that because I don't want people to say, well, it doesn't matter then. I'm inevitably going to fall. And, and sometimes they can use that as an excuse. But I think it's important. Let me stop to you point- for a second. Sure. I agree with you 100%. I really, really do. You're not talking to those people on Rebel Parenting. These are type A, high functioners. We deal with shame and guilt and workaholism and adding too much to our plate. And every single person that's listening to Rebel Parenting wants to be the exception to the rule. I worry about that. Like we had on um, Johnny Baker, who's the current president of Celebrate Recovery. Yes. And I was saying, listen, most people that – get on the wagon will fall off of it at some point. And he's like, I know, but you can be the exception to the rule. I'm like, yes, yes. And you have to understand and be realistic. It is the exception to the rule. Most people will fall off the wagon. And do you want it to happen? No. Is your spouse desperately trying for it not to happen? Absolutely. Might it happen anyway? Yes. And what do you do? Be sad. Be sad. Don't beat him up. Don't put them down. Don't throw them under the bus. Don't shame them in public. Just deal with the sadness. Get a third party. Go to a therapist. Cry your heart out. Cry again. Cry harder. And be sad. Be sad, but don't give up. Absolutely. Well, every spouse stumbles. I've preached on James 3 2 more times than I can count. We all stumble in many ways. I'm telling spouses the Bible promises you the person you marry isn't going to stumble occasionally. They're going to find creative ways and new ways to stumble. And and I just mentioned in my own marriage this issue that kept coming up, and it was just God's <laughs> strong challenge to me, Gary, this is how your spouse stumbles. You, th- you think there's a spouse that doesn't? And, and often we want to say, well, why do they have to stumble this way? Or I wish they would stumble. <laughs> and that's, again, that's where we get into the comparisons that we undercut call, cherishing. We call that here. We say, don't judge people for sinning differently than you. <laughs> yes. But why I love that you're ending with this is that can you, this is what it comes down to. And this is what you led up to. Can you cherish a spouse who stumbles in many ways? Some Christians would say no. Mm. And I think if you want your spouse to be cherished, the answer has to be yes, because there's no spouse out there who doesn't stumble in any way, lest scripture is a lie. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Why are more people not talking about this? Why, especially in the faith community, because we have this redemptive power as Christians. The world is looking at us, and if we don't have the redemptive power, that's like, wait a minute, he cheated on you, and you stayed with him. Yeah, why? Because I want to be married, but he cheated on you. I know it was a mistake. He's sorry. Well, didn't it hurt? Yep, totally. But. We can build a marriage better than new. We had Cindy Beal on. It was our very first guest. First guest, Cindy Beal, talking about her husband's pornography addiction that led to cheating, which led to an affair, which led to a child with the mistress, and didn't get divorced. 16 years later, rebuilding a marriage better than new. There's something deeper than infatuation, and it's going through the hard times and being like, you know what? We're champs. We're champs. We we lift heavy now. When a person is truly repenting and doing the work of recovery and the couple does it together, usually I've found there's a much richer relationship. And they Mm. will say that. I've had couples where uh, in a book I was writing for women loving him well, she said, because of my Mm. husband's porn addiction, we became closer and we had a much better sexual relationship. The key is he was repenting. Slow down and say that. Because of, say that again, I want every woman listening to hear, it's terrible to hear, it's terrible. She said, because my husband went through that porn addiction, we actually had a deeper relationship and even a richer sexual relationship. But here is the caveat, because he was repentant and accountable and worked through it, Mm -hmm. he found out things about himself, she found out things about himself, it created an intimacy. I get where... And I know you know this, Ryan. If a guy isn't repentant, yeah. if a guy's telling his wife, you've got to share me with – you're not saying in that case, 
we're faulting a woman. But Listen, I'll when- be honest too. I just I'm not finished. I'm not finished with one of the couple with one of the spouses. Yeah. I just advised a wife to divorce her husband. Yeah. I run a Christian ministry. I know God hates divorced. I've been divorced myself. I understand this stuff firsthand. And the husband lied to all of his accountability partners. He would not follow the things we were talking to him. He wasn't doing any of the things. He's lying complete, constantly lying, still with the other woman. And I said, hey, that is not what we are about. We're not about abuse. We are not about this at all. And I agree. You should take him for everything. Throw him under the bus. I hope he hits bottom so hard that it causes him to repent. I really mm-hmm. do. I pray for that. I pray that the Lord strikes him down to the lowest point possible so the only way he can turn is back up to the Holy Spirit. I pray for that. And if he is unrepentant and says, well, no, we need to bring pornography into our marriage and into our bedroom, and I need, you need to share me with another person. Uh-uh-uh. Never on rebel parenting. Never at all. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Because I work more with men than women, I mean, I work with a lot of couples. Mm. If I'm working with somebody one-on-one, it's usually a guy. I, I just think there's a tremendous difference when I'm working at a guy who feels trapped, who feels shame, yeah. who feels humiliation, who wants to stop. That's an entirely different situation where I think because of Christ, there is great hope. And a wife's understanding can be a huge assist that she knows the worst about me. And yet she still cherishes me. And that goes back to God loved us while we were yet sinners. Amen. And, and can we cherish our spouse mm. while they are yet sinners? So wives aren't ha- hiding candy wrappers. Guys aren't deleting the history on their internet. They're realizing we're going to face this together. And it goes back to what we said. Will you help me? It's a big difference between being caught and asking for help. Yep. One is a plea for intimacy. One is a rejection of intimacy. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Gary, thank you so much for being on here. I can't thank, thank you Thank you, Ryan. What a blessing. I'm so glad you, you, you like it. It means a lot coming from you. And it, it's a message that God used in a big way in my life. It's been very gratifying to see it become part of the conversation now. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. We love it. My goodness, that broadcast for me was just fire. Gary Thomas is so wise and has so much great information. I recommend this book, and you can get a deep dive, the study guide, all the videos talking about every chapter in the book from me at facebook.com slash groups slash rebel upgrade. Join in today. I'll see you next time, Rebels. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.